Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and I am wholly responsible for there not being a podcast for a couple minutes here. Uh, I had COVID. Um, I, I came down with it last Thursday. Uh, it has not been fun, but I'm on the mend in a hotel room self-isolating right now, and I thought, what better way to get over COVID than put life in perspective and talk about Tottenham Hotspur. So I'm here with Ben Daniels and Brian Ashlock. Ben, how excited are you to talk about Spurs today? I mean, today I'm excited. Yesterday I was not excited. Good thing my fever didn't break till uh, late yesterday. Uh, Brian, how excited are you to talk about Tottenham Hotspur? I mean, I am mostly just excited to talk about Deli Alley. I don't care about the rest of it. <laughs> Or, or the manager, whoever that may be, or, you know, transfer policy, just specifically Deli Alley. Okay, well, let's start there. In the midst of Tottenham's c- cumulative 8-1 drubbing of Wolfsburger, uh, Deli Alley had a really good game for, for Spurs today. Certainly his best game this season, which is, definitely has nothing to do with the manager. Uh, overhead goal, a couple assists, looking really nice. I, Got to be happy to see Delhi back out there kicking ass for Spurs again, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because not only did we have we really not seen great Delhi since the early part of the Mourinho tenure, really, really good Delhi was even kind of absent at the end of the Pochettino era, and I think kind of, especially in the media, we forgot. The, all the different things that he was capable of, and you thought, like, oh, look, he's just a, a luxury player, a second striker. Um, and, and especially in this game, he really showed all the stuff that he can do. Um, you know, the cross to Vinicius is just an amazing read and an even better ball. Um, you know, the bicycle kick, obviously, an amazing finish. Way better than Giroud's in the Chelsea match, by the way, because um, Giroud... Didn't catch it nearly as cleanly. Um, and he was offside, too, I think. But but the Dele and, you know, the the pass to Bale for the goal, like, this is the Deli Alley that we're used to. The He, he plays a role in transition. He creates. Um, he also scores goals. Like, that that type of player was something that Ben and I, you, you and I discussed, like, that's something that Mourinho absolutely wants in his team, and it's so baffling why he just hasn't featured. Right, and, like, beyond that, like, he he works hard, he presses from the front, he defends well, like, he is a very all-action player, and, yeah, I think it's very easy to reduce him as, like, like you said, like a frivolous flair player, and that's certainly how Jose seems to see him as, you know, the guy who does flicks in midfield and gives away the ball, but, like, he's also the guy who you know, will will press and harry defenders to win the ball back and create opportunities for his teammates. He's also the guy who makes magic happen inside the box. Um, 
and it's especially frustrating. You know, we, we've had a lot of reports this week about uh, Jose Mourinho's lack of attacking training and, you know, how they're still relying on attacking patterns coached into the team by Pochettino. And, you know, Jose's holistic approach to attacking is just be good at football and go out there and, you know, be be inspired and, and do, you know, what you're capable of. And, like, I think that's insane. But if that's how you choose to set up your team to attack, like, how is a guy like Delhi not one of the first names on a team sheet? If that's how you want your attack to be structured, is just guys being, you know, inspired and magical and, you know, doing doing the sublime out of nowhere. And especially because, like you said, those attacking patterns that that Pochettino drilled in them were were so good with Deli Alley included in them. I mean, you know, he he was often the guy that plays, you know, the quick wall pass to open up Kane or Son. He was the guy that would do, like you said, a nifty little back heel, you know, around the center circle that allowed Kane or Son to, you know, run in behind, like like. That creativity um, is sometimes missing from this team. Not to say that Ndombele doesn't provide some of that, but you know we've talked about like Bergvine a lot, and what does Bergvine do, and does he how how effectively does he contribute to the the attack? And if you have good Deli Alley out there, you can't tell me that you're not getting more out of that position than what Bergvine or Lucas or Bale gives you on a week-in, week-out basis. That was always the thing is, you you know, it's it's great. That, I mean, I guess we've always had a bit of Kremlinology around this club and who's in favor and who's out of favor with the manager. But, you know, I think when we were talking about Deli Alley and why he may or may not be included in the club, you know, could I believe that there's an element of he doesn't get along with Mourinho, he doesn't want to do the things Mourinho does, like, sure. But, like, in terms of is he useful in the kind of thing that Mourinho wants to do, apparently, that we see every week? Like, it, it's always been vaguely insane that, assuming that Delhi's behaving himself, there's no reason he couldn't be put to use on that. And even if he isn't behaving himself, like, you're the manager. It's your job to get something functional out of this team. And... I don't understand why Mourinho is becoming more accommodating of his players the more desperate he gets than he was when he was sort of riding high on the hog. But well, I mean, I think that's it. Right? Yeah, I mean, it is that is the reason why. But it's insane. Yeah, it's like, gotta he's gotta reach back out to somebody to to save his ass. And but, it's like, but this is a it guy. Be annoying. Dali Alley is the guy who saves Jose Mourinho's job for another year um, after you know being marginalized for the last one. Well, but that's the thing about it's. it's you look at you. you Mourinho is not incapable of diagnosing problems with his squad. You think he's not looking at how this team is playing back in, you know, November when things were going reasonably well and not just thinking, like, boy, this is a limited attack and I need some other, we're going to need some other options up there sooner or later. Hey, I wonder if there's anything sitting around being unused. It's just, I would love to know why he just randomly feuds with these players. At least, like, with Ndombele, you at least we know that there was fitness stuff that he just sort of got onto like a dog with a bone, but which doesn't make sense, but at least you can sort of wrap your head around that one. I mean, this has just been... Well, we know from the documentary that Jose doesn't think think Deli Alley trains well. And, you know, whether that's true or not, or whether that has changed or not in the intervening, whatever, nine months, uh, it's something that I'm sure Jose has continued to harp on. Um, you know, and... I don't know. Does Deli Alley apply himself more in training? We have no idea. But certainly, 
you would like to think that there's some level of meritocracy where if you work hard, you you get back into the team. Obviously, that's you know a false narrative because Jose. But um, you know, like you would like to think that that's what happens. And you know, and it's not like Jose hasn't somewhat diagnosed problems. I mean, he's introduced Lamella, um, played Lucas more now. Um, but I think as much as we all like Lamella, for example, I think we can all agree Deli Alley is a better version of Eric Lamella. Like, you know, they, they're slightly different players, but if you're talking about creating and scoring, Deli Alley's better. Introducing the Lamella thing you're talking about isn't about Eric Lamella. It's about being not Musa Sissoko. <laughs> Using a player who could do forward passing and, and make decisions in the, in the offensive third that make any level of sense and... Lamella just happens to be the one he's using, and you're right. I mean, Deli Alley could do the better job of that. But that's the thing, you know. That I think we should take a step back and say it's not just Deli Alley who has been marginalized by Jose. He's the guy who is the big story because he's young. He's obviously incredible, but Lamella and Lucas have also barely featured this season. You know, Musa Suzuko, no matter how bad he was, kept getting minutes and kept getting minutes, and it's only in the last few weeks that he is, you know, since I think West Brom. And then Everton, and basically every match since then, Lucas and Lamella have suddenly become mainstays in this starting lineup. And before, he was reluctant to even add a, a third attacker beyond Kane and Son, let alone a fourth attacker. Um, you know, I, I think th- I think this is all kind of a piece of as Jose gets more and more desperate and as things get more, you know, a- out of his control and things look dicier for, for his career... Um, he is just grabbing at whatever is available, and you know, I like I wouldn't be surprised if Bale starts against Burnley this weekend. I, I think he's just whoever's doing well is now suddenly going to be part of his plans because whatever he's doing isn't working, and he has a whole squad of players that he's barely like Carlos Vinicius has barely played in the Premier League. Um, you know, he has been a Europa League superstar. He had another strong performance today. Uh, with a couple of goals, and you know, again, no, there's no meritocracy in that. He hasn't earned his way into the team. So there's like, there's just so many weapons that he's left on the bench that, while we focus on Deli Alley, I think it's it's a mistake to overlook just how much of a pattern this has been with Jose. Well, and I think what's what, what, we're going to get to the Mourinho's sort of current status with the team. Not to make every podcast about that, but I think some news came out that we need to discuss. But. I think it's telling, I think it's really telling that this club, and maybe it's just a result of COVID, but I don't think it is just that, that this club was not willing to move Deli Alley along. Even all the PSG links we read were loans, not not sales. And, again, could be COVID. Maybe Daniel Levy just wants to get maximum value for his asset. I just think it's extraordinarily telling that we've had two major assets that Mourinho wants gone, and our chairman, whatever else you think about Daniel Levy and the mistakes he's made, has told him to shut up and make it work. And, you know, thank God, because we could have gotten rid of two very good players for no good reason. Yeah, I can think of some bad players we probably could have gotten rid of for no good reason, too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, look, I love Daniel Levy. I'm not trying to, you know, bag on him for no reason. But, you know, we could have also sold Winks and Sissoko at any point. That would have mm. been cool. That would be cool. Uh, but, you know, I just think it's, te- I think it's more telling in terms of, like, Mourinho's future with this team. That Jelly Alley is still here, and he was forced to use him. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, you know, if we continue to run this team out, the, the the same guys that played in the last two matches against Wolfsburger, if we continue to run that team out, like 
I'm happy to see those guys play. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy, happy to see those guys play. To get minutes. I don't think it's going to work. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to win the Europa League. I don't think we're going to arrest our form in the league. Like, I, I mean, I'm happy to see us do it. Like, I'd rather see some of those guys play, but I think it's too far gone now. I mean, I mean, the one thing about the league that I'll say is we have accidentally created a situation where we have a bunch of fresh legs coming into the home stretch of the season who are very talented players who, you know, might be the kind of X factor who just by Jose no longer being a dickhead to them could be the thing that, you know, turns the season around. It might not, but, like, that, that's, I think, the, the, the silver lining we can grab onto with all this is, again, maybe Deli Alley is the guy who saves Jose's job. <laughs> And, and I mean, look, you know, not for nothing, you know, we're into the round of 16 of the Europa League. Like, that's not meaningless. Um, you know, we stand a pretty good chance of, of making the quarterfinals, regardless of who we draw. Um, you know, I, I I just think in the Europa, I don't know. I'm just in this state, and it's not impossible. It happened to AVB when he was at Porto. Like, barring an extremely weak set of draws, I just don't trust this team to, like, beat any good decent teams that they run into i just i mean if you just look at like who's in the draw like i just don't i mean look we're recording this wednesday night the thursday matches haven't played um so so we have no idea who actually progresses from all of the other europa league ties but i mean you know just looking at the names and the teams that are ahead you know who are the teams that you're worried about you know gladbach just lost their coach like are they going to be actually that motivated to continue manchester united are I don't know. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Um, Arsenal. Like, you know, like... uh, Would you feel good about playing? I know Arsenal aren't good, but I wouldn't feel good about playing Arsenal right now. Yeah, I'd feel good about playing Arsenal. I'd be fine with that. (laughs) Um, And I think we can draw the English teams now. I'm not not 100% certain on that, but I think we can. And just lost to Man City in the Champions League, so they're not going to be... Who am I thinking of? Leverkusen? I don't know who you're thinking. Somebody's like 3-3 with Molda or something. I don't know. <laughs> I really did look at this earlier in an attempt to be actually prepared for this podcast for once. And uh-huh. I'm really offended that you pointed out that I wasn't. Yeah, so Hoffenheim is who you're thinking of. Uh, I knew it was a German team. I was close. We're going to run into Sessegnon. There you but go. Arsenal, Ajax, Napoli, Shakhtar, Villarreal, Leverkusen are still in it. You know, Leicester, Man U, Milan, like there's pl- Roma. There's plenty of good teams left for us. No, I I agree with Brian. These are teams we, these are teams we should in theory be able to beat. But I, I just our form has been so atrocious lately. Even you know, just in England, like Leicester and Man U are just much better than us this season. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be excited to play Leicester. Man U, I think we can beat just because I still don't think they're that good. But, you know, results obviously speak differently. Um, so, well, I don't know. You know, we did beat them. So, like, that's the thing. That's the beauty of a knockout tournament is, like, you just have to win win one. And, you know, we've had our good days against big teams. We've beaten Arsenal. We've beaten, well, we've beaten Man City. We've beaten Man U. Um, I mean, with away goals, you don't even have to win one. You can just draw one of them and you'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, it's not an impossibility. I mean, look, we've, we've made it to a – a league cup final, you know, without playing anyone good, there's no reason we can't get just as lucky. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get a bye against like a late Orient this time, but you know, we will have to play all of our matches, but they, you know, there could be easy ones. I don't know. I mean, look, I love, I love, I'm enjoying the Europa league. 
I'm enjoying getting to see Vinicius play because I think he's been actually really good. And, you know, I've talked on the podcast before, like, I think it sucks that he doesn't get more sub minutes in the league. Um, I, I've enjoyed, you know, getting to see kids. That's been fun. Dane Scarlett getting minutes. Um, and, you know, um, not John Niles or Niles John, whatever football manager regen name he has. Um, you know, like, uh, I, it's great because, you know, look, Pochettino didn't play those guys. And and Mourinho giving some of these kids minutes is, is nice. And, I mean, they absolutely should be getting minutes in a match where we're 7-1 ahead on aggregate. Like, it's annoying that he also subbed on Lamella and Lucas. Um, like, those guys shouldn't have even played. But, you know, whatever. Like, we did get to see some of the kids. I think it's nice because it's like a bizarro universe we inhabit where – we get to see Spurs like beat the shit out of a terrible team, and like it's fun to score four goals in a match. We don't get that very often ever this season, you know. Uh, it, like you said, we get to see the kids. We get to see exciting new signings who, you know, we can wonder if they're going to make our team better. Like, there's a lot of. It's just it's the only part of I think the match week that is like genuinely worth looking forward to because you have a pretty good feeling that it's going to go pretty well. But that's and, because you're playing. You know, the sixth best team in Austria. Oh, I'm aware of why. <laughs> I'm just it's a feeling we don't have very often this season. So, like, I get excited for the Europa League because it's fun to see your team win. Like, and it's fun to see your team do cool shit. Well, even, and, even I think, uh, we've talked about it on this podcast, as much as we all want Jose gone, it's, it, it's not, like... You like it, you could intellectualize like okay, well maybe if we lose this game, it's going to put him closer to the door. But then you watch the game, and you don't want your team to lose, like even when it's dog shit. Yeah, and it's just you, you can't. I, I've been able to do it at least. Um, you know, as much as I want him to go, but it, it, it's it's just not fun to watch them lose. And it, it, you're right, Ben. It is nice to watch like Deli Alley hit a bicycle kick and Gareth Bale look like the old Gareth Bale for a minute. I mean, it's it's fun to watch this stuff, but, you know, I just think if we start playing teams like Milan or whatever, like, it might become considerably less fun very quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll get less fun in a hurry. But, you know, even, like, Pochettino's last full season when, like, the wheels were coming off in the league, we still managed to have, like, just an insanely fun Champions League run. No, some and of that was because we sold out on the league. I mean, some of that was a choice. I don't think there's a choice going on here. Well, I think there's a real possibility that as push comes to shove, like you're going to see where our priorities are. Mm. Oh, there it is, Brian. There it is. We should be trying to win the Europa League if we want to be in the Champions League next year. Yeah, good. I mean, that's our only road in. Good safe. Good, very Look, good you safe. you know, if you wouldn't have called it out, no one would have noticed. <laughs> So our form, you know, I, the, the Europa League is what it is. We beat Wolfsburg's non-union Austrian equivalent 8-1 to one over two matches. That's an accomplishment. In the league, it has not been as good. Since our last podcast, we lost 3-0 to City. And I would not – guys, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that might be flattering to us, that scoreline. And then we lost 2-1 to West Ham, which maybe is a little flattering to West Ham, but – our form in the league doesn't look very good right now. We, we really look like we're struggling to put together a coherent platform. At least there is to give this team some credit. When they fall behind and have to chuck it out the window, occasionally, and they have to actually attack, occasionally they look entertaining. Like I thought the last, was it, was it the last 30 minutes against West Ham? I, I might have been in a 
COVID-induced haze, so, so I apologize if I'm wrong on that. I thought we looked reasonably fun and progressive, but again, that seems to happen when we have to chuck all of our plans out the window. So, I mean, our, what we're doing in the league just doesn't look encouraging to me at all, and it doesn't, you know, I, I thought Kane coming back was going to arrest a lot of our worst form. And maybe, again, we're talking about a game against City and a game against an informed West Ham, so maybe I am being unfair, but I am very skeptical that we're going to recover any kind of form in the league. Now, I know that LaCelso's on his way back. If Deli Alley starts playing, maybe that'll change some things, but boy, it just doesn't look like it's getting fixed in the league. I mean, I'm less concerned about the City result because... I don't feel like anybody's beating City right now. Um, they're just – they look like City of two years ago where, you know, no one's touching them. So I'm, I'm okay with setting that result to the side. I think the West Ham one is more concerning, especially when you consider the totality of, of what our performance was. I mean, we had more of the ball. We we had 20 shots. Like, you know, I we basically got, you know – tactics masterclass by david moyes like like that's what happened to us and uh, that's not what you pay jose Mourinho for like you don't pay him to get out coached by moyes i mean moyes out Mourinho and Mourinho. you know it's yeah or like, in the first five minutes let us have all the ball the first half and like we didn't do anything with it and rather than just like keep camping on that um, one goal lead, you know, they managed to snag a second right at the beginning of the second half and then did the same thing to us all over again. And, like, you know, that's supposed to be Jose Mourinho's move. That's how he wanted us to play for so long and couldn't pull it off. And, yeah, so seeing David Moyes do the same shit, you know, with four shots to 20 and walk away comfortable, I think, two two one winners um, in, in spite of all of that is, is not a good feeling, especially because it's West Ham. Well, and you're seeing the uh, the excuses come out from uh, Muanon, as you were saying, Ben, um, in our in our private chat about how you know we didn't get him the right defenders this year and all this other shit. And it's just like I don't, I'm not here for like we could have a better backline. I don't think anyone would argue that, but this this club is capable of playing better than this. This club is capable of outplaying fucking David Moyes' West Ham. I don't care how well they they've done this year. Like this, we should be better than this. Like, yeah, I mean, like, look, Dyer and Sanchez are not the best center backs in the world. Are they worse center backs than Craig Dawson of relegated Watford and um, Issa Diop, who has not played this season, hardly? Um, no, like, he's, he's their fourth choice center back. And, again, a guy they picked up from a relegated team who only started playing in January. And they marshaled the defense very effectively against Spurs. You know, I, you can't tell me that the guys we have at our disposal aren't at least that good. And, I mean, Cardinal Sin here, we let elite prospect Jesse Lingard score. Um, and I know, like, he's on an upward growth trend. He's, you know, finally heading toward his potential in his peak years. But you can't let kids like that score against you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, man, you have a real talent on their hands. And it's going to be really exciting to see what he does when he gets back, back there from one next season. Um, you really think he's going to kick on. But... Ben, what would have it's bothered you more? Loan oh. out prospects. I, I wish we had a more progressive loan policy, honestly. <laughs> ben, what would have bothered you more if Lingard was killing it for Spurs or if 
uh, to, or watching him score against us like he did this weekend. Which, because I know you have a deeply ingrained hatred of Jesse Lingard. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I really didn't want us to sign him, and since his move to West Ham, he has three goals. He won a penalty. He's like shooting for fun. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if we had signed him, he'd be terrible. It's only because we didn't that well, he's... He had to go to a managerial master like uh, David Moyes to really unlock that potential. I mean, you know, if Jesse Lingard had a choice between two of his former Man U managers and he made his choice on who could get the best out of him, and it was not Jose Mourinho. Well, he might have made his choice on who had more, you know, daughters to choose No, 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 no. no. So. It's it was not a fun match, and that's honestly where I keep coming back to you with like Mourinho is like not only does he keep losing matches, he keeps losing highly embarrassing matches that really stick in your craw. And if like this Arsenal team beats us in the North London Derby, like I, I just don't know how much how much rope this guy has left. I mean, like that, this is not sustainable. This is not just bad luck. I mean, we are losing to teams we have no business losing to in ways we have no business losing to them. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, like, the only team that we played recently that we, like, absolutely, unequivocally should have beaten is West Brom, and we did, you know? Like, we also lost to Brighton, who, like, I would say we should have beaten, but, like, they're a decent team. Like, we've lost to Liverpool, we've lost to Chelsea, we've lost to City, we've lost to Everton. Like, they're all good teams. West Ham, they're all good teams. They're all better than us this season. So, you know, it's like... I think it's easy to look at the situation and say, you know, we'd like to be beating this team, these teams, but I don't think it's turning up the heat on Jose as much as we'd like. I think the so West like, Ham game is. I mean, uh, I mean, the West Ham game is because it's West Ham. You yeah, know, like that is, and I think if we had gotten knocked out of the Europa League this week. On top of it, you know, for all the talk about Jose staying until the end of the season, I think that would have been. Yeah, well, I think yes, the sixth best team yeah. in Austria knocking us out after we had a four-one lead on them. I think that might have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so coming up, we have uh, a stretch against Burnley, Fulham, and Crystal Palace. And, you know, those are three teams that, like West Brom, you say categorically are teams that Spurs should not have any trouble with. We've said that specifically about these teams earlier this year, though. My point is, is if we don't do the business against these three teams, um, which, again, is, is followed by the North London Derby, you know, what, there's nothing to save Jose Mourinho after that. It's like it'll just be a foregone. Well, conclusion. especially if, and I don't think it happens till after that. But you know, like once Pep just rinses us in the League Cup final, you know, then it's all Europa League, and boy howdy, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not just those three games that Ben mentioned and, and the North London Derby. I mean, after that is is Aston Villa, who is, you know, one spot above us on the table, and then Newcastle. Like, this is a, a what is that, six-game stretch that can allow you to build momentum and, you know, put some points in the board. Like, uh, you know, 18 points from six matches here goes a long way because right after that you've got, you know, United, Everton, uh, the cup final, like, like we're at the business end of the season. There's not that many league games left and, you know, getting maximum points from a run against beatable teams is, is huge. And, you know, you know, we're in this position where we're all like, well, but if we lose a bunch of these games, it would be good because then Jose doesn't coach us anymore. 
But like Ben said earlier, I like watching my team win and do good stuff. So like I am not yet in the position where I am hoping for us to lose matches. Here's the beauty of it, Brian, is I don't think we're going like if we lose to them, it's not gonna he's not gonna leave before the end of the season anyway. And if we beat them, it's not gonna make his job any more secure. So I think these are things you can feel good about rooting for because it, I don't not, mean anything. I'm not coming at it from like a I want us to lose perspective. What I'm coming at it from is just like I just see the way we're playing and I just don't see it getting better. And, you know, I mean, part of it is like, you know, you just want to scream at Levy like, what are we waiting for? Let's just, just get it over with and put us out of our misery. But it's just, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe putting Deli Alley in the team and Lo Celso comes back and they achieve a certain level of form that is at least like we could just get through the season and watch some games. But I don't know. It's it, Mourinho just seems out of ideas, and I, the West Ham game really cinched it for me in terms of maybe again maybe I was just pissed watching that through a fever. But you know that we're like David Moyes is doing this to us. Come on, like we have no better ideas than this. I mean, there were good things that happened in that match. Um, I think we hit touched on it earlier. Gareth Bale played really good against West Ham. Like, he looked for a little bit, like, sort of old Gareth Bale. He did a lot of cool stuff. Like, that was nice. Bale um, does seem to be rounding into some kind of form. Maybe he just needed two-thirds of the season to get his fitness back under him. Yeah, I, I just, you know, it's like Ben said, is is we, we've been playing, we, we play this Mourinho ball, and then we go behind and we have to chuck it out the window and try to score goals and be interesting. And it is much more, obviously, fun and interesting to watch us when we're trying to score goals. And we actually look almost like a coherent team. Um, and, I, and I think that's probably the most damning thing for me about the Mourinho era is we're more than a year in now. And our defending doesn't look more well-drilled, we don't look more solid at the back, we don't look like we have a better idea of who's supposed to be where and when they're supposed to be there. Like, all that stuff still seems to be really shambolic. I mean, you look at the City match and you've got Ilke Gundogan, who, in fairness to him, is on a good run of form right now, but he is dropping Davinson Sanchez on his ass. Like, Yeah, City literally made a TikTok out of it. Yeah, it's it is absolutely ridiculous. Like the official Manchester City TikTok account made fun of Davison Sanchez for falling over like that, and it is hilarious. Like it is, but like, but you this I I don't know how old is Gundogan? Like is he twenty nine, thirty? Like this old man should not be putting you on your ass when like your your thing as a defender is how mobile and quick and agile and everything that you are. And this this old man juked you that bad, like. Uh... Yeah, and like so the the last time we we recorded was in the wake of the five four FA Cup loss to Everton, and you know one of the things we talked about was a how much fun it was to see us go out there and score four goals and play like a little more of a swashbuckling approach, and also the fact that we scored five goals was not necessarily the the result of that approach. It, it was the same kind of defensive malaise that has plagued us all season, no matter how we play. And lo and behold, the two league matches after that were Man City and West Ham, where, again, we swashed no buckles, and, you know, we still conceded five goals in very, very stupid fashion. Like, the second West Ham goal, Doherty came on the pitch and, like, passed the ball to the other team. Like, 
it had nothing to do with like how attacking we had been. It's just these guys keep making fucking terrible mistakes because the overall defensive system is bad and not well coached. It's all of our defenders constantly look like they're waiters being given too many plates to take back to the kitchen, and they just don't know what to do, and they panic, and they drop them. And that's what constantly happens. And under a coach like Mourinho, who should be getting more out of them, that's inexcusable. It's probably inexcusable just period full stop for these guys. It's just it's exhausting to watch, and that we're not doing anything to make it better is so frustrating. And I just, I just, I can't see it getting any better this year because it hasn't already. And if if we haven't fixed it by now, what what, what fucking chances we're going to fix it by the summer? So there's a lot of rumors that Hugo is going to leave, and it seems like those reasons don't have aren't really related to his on pitch form. It, it seems like it has more to do with where he wants to go or. Who wants to play for? I think a big rumor is he just wants to reunite with Pochettino at PSG, who he's been linked with for a long time. We've been linked with Nick Pope as his as his replacement. That's been sort of the the mainstream news story about if Spurs are going to get another keeper, it's him. How do you feel about letting Hugo go? Because I feel like every year he goes through a stretch of form where Spurs fans say, get him out of here, I don't want him on the team anymore. Um, and then he just plays out of his mind for a while. I mean, he certainly was, like, an excellent keeper earlier this season. Like, I generally tend to think I would like Hugo to stick around because he's been so good for us, and I don't think he's that old yet. But how do you guys feel about that, Ben? All right, well, I'll answer this. Oh, okay, all right. I I care about this more. Um, Also, Ben just talked, and I want to talk again. No, I, 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 I like Hugo. And I think you're right. I think, yeah, you he every season there's a couple matches or, you know, a three or four game run where he just he looks human. And then he goes back to being really good. And I, I think on the aggregate over the last three or four years, he's been, you know, he's been an above average goalkeeper. Like last year, I think he was probably the best goalkeeper in terms of shot stopping in the league. Um, and, and that was, you know, with him you know, not even playing most of, or, you know, the, the first half of the season because of that elbow injury. Um, I, I, I don't think enough has changed that unless we were getting a decent amount of money for him, I would be looking to offload him. I don't think that Nick Pope is that amazing that I'm anxious to discard Lloris. Um, I think Pope is fine. I'd be more interested in, I don't know, Dean Henderson. Um, but yeah, I, I I think he sh- we should hold on to him for as long as he wants to be here. So I disagree, and it has nothing to do with how good Hugo is. Um, I, Brian is right. He's been great over the last few seasons. He's been one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, even this season, despite his current run of hiccups, um, by like advanced goalkeeping, you know, saves above XG, he is, I think, third in the league behind Emmy Martinez and, and Nick Pope. Um the thing that I would say about Hugo is he is 34, and he is a declining asset. Um, and if you look at the kind of stuff that we didn't do under Pochettino that led to his downfall, it is not being willing to sell on a guy who has given a lot to the club, who's been good for the club, but who is running out of value and running out of ability on the pitch, you know? The year before Jan Vertonghen fell off a cliff, it didn't look like he was about to fall off a cliff. Same with Toby, you know, same with Danny Rose. Like, these are guys that we've just 
held on a little too long, and then we're left with counting on them for another season, and they're not good, and we can't squeeze any value out of them. And I think part of managing a club at Spurs level has to be being more willing to cut bait with some of our favorites just because you need to be able to reinvest and refresh the squad. And as much as I love Hugo, and as much as I still think he has a lot to give, and I don't think you know next season is when the Grim Reaper will finally come for him, um, it's only a matter of time. And if there are, is a market for him now and there are good younger targets that we can get for a reasonable price, it's I, to me it's a no-brainer. I think it's we have to do it just to keep getting younger, reinvest in the team. You know, Nick Pope is not going to cost as much as we'll get for Hugo Lloris. So I hope you're right. I mean, I saw 30 million quoted. Like, who else? I mean, like, you know, PSG currently have a, a keeper on loan at Fulham, Ariola, who, despite having a stupid name that will be the subject of many, many jokes if he ends up at Spurs, has been very, very good this season and is seven years younger than Hugo. And so that seems like a deal waiting to be made. If PSG is the team that wants Hugo, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for making that swap. Um, it gets us younger. It gets us someone who looks very good and, you know, maybe turns us a little bit of a profit. I hope you're right. Um, but we'll see. It seems like Hugo's, I mean, all the sort of chatter seems to be that Hugo's not sticking around and he's got one year left on his deal. So I think you're right. We'll try to, if he's not sticking around, we're going to make that money while we can. And there's something to be said, especially if you can get a good young keeper. Um, I think Hugo's a little bit harder a place than a lot of Spurs fans think he is, but, you know, uh, if he wants to go, I think, you know, there's no reason to keep him around. Uh, the, before we move on quick, my yeah. only reservation with Pope is he's not that young. He's 28. Yeah. Like, I understand, like Ben said, with the, the, the advanced metrics that he's very good. I don't know how much of that is Burnley and the way they play. I have no idea. Like I said, I'd be more interested in, yeah, is good. I'd be more interested in Dean Henderson. Um, at United, who is, like, what, actually 22 or 21 or something like that, like, those would be the guys that I would be looking at. You know, Chelsea might sell as Kepa. I mean... I don't want Kepa. <laughs> uh, the other big piece of transfer news that came out, which I think is instructive as to where the team is, it's kind of circling back to a conversation uh, that we had earlier in the podcast and, you know, every week now, is that not only is Mourinho on thin ice, but the club is... Certainly thinking through target targets of replacement with Nagelsmann um, uh, from Red Bull Leipzig being at the top of the list. Uh, this has been reported by our old friend um, Matt Law at the Telegraph. I think the Telegraph, is that where he works? Um, I don't know, one of those English papers. It's being reported by legitimate outlets. I think it has the air of truth. I'll, I, I don't know a lot about Nagelsmann um, other than he's not Jose Mourinho. Certainly he does a good job with the youth, uh, which is encouraging. I don't know how great a fit he is for Spurs. What I do find encouraging about this is, A, Spurs are clearly thinking about what's next, and Mourinho isn't on that safe of, that cold of a seat. And, B, we're at least being ambitious in terms of um, who we're looking to hire next, uh, that, that that name is who we apparently want the most, and there seems to be some indications he's interested in coming to us if we want him. I think that's encouraging. I guess Spurs' last couple managerial hires have been fairly ambitious, so that's good. I, honestly, I, I, I like this better than just getting Brendan Rodgers in here, who I do not like how much sort of sway he would have walking in the door. But uh, I don't know. I find it encouraging that, A, we're thinking about what's next, and, B, that we are being ambitious in who we're targeting. 
Yeah, I think you know we can talk about his his style of play and what he would actually give us if if these rumors heat up. The thing that I think is important for when we're thinking about who we're going to hire next is this is a guy who has had success at two very forward-thinking kind of project clubs in Hoffenheim and the Red Bull operation at Leipzig. Um, you know, these are teams that are very kind of astroturfy existence, and a lot of football fans don't don't like them, but, you know, they have leveraged what they have to become really competitive teams in the Bundesliga through smart scouting and, and tactical analysis and data analysis and all of the things that you kind of want a club at Spurs level to be interested in um, because that's how you get a team who doesn't have the resources of their competitors to punch above their weight. And he is a guy used to working in those frameworks and more than anything about his style of play, which again is, is good and certainly not, you know, the turgid Jose Mourinho ball we've been seeing, but the fact that he is a guy who would come, if he were to come to Spurs, he would come to Spurs with a view of, building this club as a project in partnership with, you know, the ownership. And that's a thing that Levy likes. And it's a thing we've attempted before with Frank Arneson and Damian Connolly and Paul Mitchell. And, you know, we keep ending up throwing out all the progress we make in, in those, in those regards as we have to stop gap uh, our manager's ego. But this is a guy who comes in purpose built for working in that kind of arrangement. And I think that is the kind of thing that both makes him, attractive to me and attractive to Spurs and I think also makes Spurs attractive to him um you know he is a young coach he is he's 33 he's younger than Hugo um which maybe is another reason we have to sell him it's been breathing down his neck uh but you know at this stage in his career it's it's not a bad step for him to come to a club with our resources where then just came out with a ninth richest club in the world you know we have the ability to to travel down a road together for some time and you know he will still be young enough to move on to a mega club when the time comes yeah i just i i don't know that i buy that he's actually interested in spurs i mean he seems all but earmarked for the Bayern munich job and i know that you know last year they signed hansi flick to a long-term deal and flick hasn't done anything yet to appear like He's going to deserve being fired. Um, but I think, I, I don't know, if I'm Nagelsmann, that's the job that I think I'm holding out for. And there's no reason that you can't take it after coming to Spurs. Uh, ben, you're, Ben's absolutely right. Like, a mega club can still come in for you if you if you spend a year and a half at Tottenham. Yeah, but Bayern um, is, if there's any mega club that is going to be reluctant to pay off a Premier League manager's salary, it's Bayern Munich. Right. And so I think, you know... Uh, you know, look, I think he's got a really good setup at Leipzig, and presumably he's going to wind up with Champions League football next year, which he may not have here. I don't know how attractive of an option it is for him to leave Leipzig and come to Spurs. Now, certainly we can pay him more money. Certainly in terms of visibility, it's probably a more prestigious job. Um, but in, in terms of what what the expectations are or, or, you know, the, the level that can be expected out of the particular team. I don't know that it's a better job right now. I mean, um, I, I certainly have the impression of, I, I would not be shocked if, if Nogglesman looked at what they did last year and was like, that's as good as it's going to get. Because 
everyone keeps, you know, and a lot of it's driven by the sort of fears of the AstroTurf club that is Red Bull Leipzig, but everyone thought they were going to take over the Bundesliga, and it seems like they're pretty committed to just being like the Oakland A's or the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, they're willing to, like, really kill it with prospects, but they're not going to seriously invest in terms of bringing players in there. And I could see a manager being like, okay, like, you know, this is nice playing with youth players, but I might want to actually win something now. Why that would take you to Tottenham is a whole other question we can get into at a later point in time. But I could see where he would just be sort of like another big club comes in with an offer and he's ready to move on. Um, You know, and also, you know, there's probably questions about, oh, can you do it outside of the outside of these systems at a bigger club. Like, I, I could see why you want to come here. Again, yeah, Especially what I, when you're looking at those questions now, like, is Klopp going to remain at Liverpool? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're really in trouble if, if, you know, if Real Madrid, if Barcelona, Juventus, and Liverpool are all looking for new managers this summer. Like, which, which isn't outside the realm of possibility. Um, and, you know, those guys, those are going to get the four biggest and best names, uh, as they should. And we're going to be left with whatever's left. And giving I, giving I, Brendan Rodgers whatever he wants. What could go wrong? But again, even Brendan Rodgers, like, is, is it worth him for him no. to leave Leicester to come to here? Like, you know. Not when, not when Liverpool's ready to hire him back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right that there are... Like you said, those four clubs are potential. I don't think Klopp is leaving Liverpool unless, like, he just has, like, the same mental fatigue that Pochettino did and he quits on them. They would be insane to fire him. Um, like, if I'm Liverpool and Klopp's like, I need to take a year sabbatical and I'll be back, like, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll see you in a year. Um, you know, but you're right. that All all the dominoes kind of have to fall favorably for us. Um, I think the thing that gives me hope is that these clubs are stupid. Like Juventus hired Pirlo, like Real Madrid. So stupid. So stupid. Like, Barcelona keeps not making good managerial hires. Uh, who knows what the fuck is going on with Real Madrid and Zidane and whoever Zidane's replacement might be. Like they just all seem to have very weird requirements for, for what kind of manager they're willing to bring in. Well, and, and is Real Madrid going to get rid of Zidane when they're about to start? Recruiting Mbappe? <laughs> right. I mean, again, so there's a lot of reasons why all of these clubs who should be looking at him wouldn't. Um, you know, Man U is going to stick with Solskjaer. Like, that, that's stupid, but, like, they're going to keep doing it because they're in, like, in second right now. I mean, so, a lot has to go right for us to get him. And it could. We got Hugo. That's the exact way we got Hugo. But at the same time, what encourages me isn't him in particular being linked with us. It is that we are looking at a coach like him, and it is being widely reported by legitimate sources. So I am just comforted by the fact that we are clearly not, like, ride or die for Jose Mourinho. Like this, People clearly understand that facts on the ground might change this summer. So here's hoping. The other piece is that he also he just turned down Chelsea. Yes. Uh, allegedly. But, you know, it may just be, again, they're two points behind Bayern in the league. Like, winning the Bundesliga is a real possibility. It's reasonable to not want to torpedo that in the middle of the season to go to a middling, broken, dysfunctional Chelsea project. Um, You know, but it uh, also cuts both ways. You're like, well, if you turn down Chelsea, he's certainly not coming to fucking Spurs. So, Who knows? 
but you're right. The fact that we're looking is what's what's important. And and we're being ambitious. I think that's important. That we're not just like I would be much more sort of downcast if we were if if it was like Brendan Rodgers was number one with a bullet, even though Rodgers was spoken of favorably in that article. But if we were just looking at retreads, uh, you know, I would be much more despondent about this. But you know, hey, b- good young managers. That's that's what I want to see out of our next hire. Progress, especially. Like you said, Ben, building towards something because that's not what we've been doing under Mourinho. So, and frankly, and we've talked about this before. It's I don't think this squad. I think um, you could turn this squad into an exciting, good squad very easily. Like I think that back line needs work, but I think if you played that midfield a little more progressively and didn't put that back line under so much pressure all the time, I think this. I think this is a team like under the right manager could absolutely be top four this year. Absolutely, be competing for trophies next year. I don't think it take this this team as it is currently constituated would take a lot of work. Yeah, at least in the transfer market, not maybe. No, I, I mean I think you're right. I mean, look, you know, you've got to turn some stuff over just because of age, and you know, there's probably some areas like we talked about central defense, fullbacks that you want to improve, regardless of who the manager is. Um, but you know, this team still has Harry Kane, Hungman's son. And Dombele, Lacelso, Hoiberg, um, you know, still has Deli Alley. That those are all pieces that any manager that they wants got to play skip, a progressive attacking style. They got Skip coming back next summer, who could like back up Hoiberg. They've got, by all accounts, it sounds like we're going to sign Sabitzer. So maybe that's why, maybe that's why Nagelsmann wants to come here. I mean, we're it's there's a lot here that it sounds really. I feel like a good manager could turn around, and that's part of why I want to see Jose gone this summer, which is like, let's not turn this into too much of a project for whoever comes next. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's Look, we're not as bad as like the results have, have shown. But the performances. And, we're not yeah, as bad as our performances it, show. It's just frustrating. Okay. Just around here. <laughs> I don't know. I just like I I miss I miss enjoying football. Do you guys remember what that was like? No, it's been like two yeah, years it at this point. Today and it was awesome. And Deli Alley is a fucking god. Ugh. Remember, remember how excited we were after the Manchester United match? That was really fun. We're all excited we were after the Arsenal match. Even that was fun. Like, yeah, everything sucks now. Ugh. Well, hopefully it's all coming to an end. Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter saying all the nice things about Jose Mourinho at Comrade U Spurs. Brian, where can people find you online? You can find me also on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. And don't forget to find our Twitter account for our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And also uh, leave us a five-star review if you made it this far. I think we've earned it. For Ben, for Brian, for Brett Rainbow, and of course for COVID-19, I've been your host, Greg. Thank you very much, and come on, you Spurs. <laughs>